Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, it is good to be home. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, there's a group of us that uh, spent the last two weeks in Uganda uh, with Hope for Kids, with Tom uh, Organization. And uh, it's, it's just really, really good to be home. And I'm going to share some of the things a little bit this morning. Um, but I just want you to know that, like, if I get a little choked up, you know, or a little teary-eyed, it's lack of sleep. That's all it is, okay? So just, just so you know that. Um, <clears throat> actually, what I'm really excited to report, and I'm going to show you a few slides of this. Um, two years ago, three, three years ago, three, four, three, three years ago, um, <clears throat> we came back um, with a vision to be able, as a church family, uh, to adopt a whole village. And for $26,000, which you all so generously gave, um, we were able to, to, to sponsor a whole village. It's the village, village of Bukaya, Uganda. And um, what that money did was um, it, <clears throat> it built a medical clinic, um, dug a well uh, for fresh, clean drinking water, um, built a church building, um, sanitary toilet facilities. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, a home for the pastor. How could I forget that one? Um, so what I did was um, we went back this year and got a chance to see the nearly completed construction. So I just thought I'd bring some pictures and just kind of show you um, what your giving accomplished. So a um, few of them. This is Pastor Godfrey Mwale. Wow, I said that. It came out. Um, and his family. All those people live in that house. It's like, in fact, I'll show you a picture of the house. That's the house they live in. Um, can't be more than 8 feet by 12 feet, something like that, maybe 10 feet by 12, something like that. All those people live in that little house. And the back area there is, is actually the kitchen. The kitchen's outdoors um, because they cook open fire. You can't really do that in your house. Um, so all of the kitchens are outside. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, next picture. This is the latrine. This is the toilet that we were able to take. You can see the privacy wall is not quite finished uh, but people are using it anyway, so it's good. Um, <clears throat> this is the medical clinic that we were able to fund. And right now, they, uh, just while we were there, they had just applied for the permit to be able to open it up and make it functional. And what they're doing is, um, from the main site in Tororo, where they have the hospital, um, medical personnel from that hospital will go one day a week out to the different clinics. And so, like, on a Thursday, if, if somebody in the village has medical need, particularly if it's something pressing, well, if it's pressing, they bring them into the, to the main hospital. Um, but if it's something that they can just get some medicine or whatever, that's what the medical clinic provides. The goal is to have someone there to staff it um, week long. Um, but to start with, that's what they're doing right now. And then this is uh, the church building that we built. And uh, that was really, really exciting to see that completed. And let's see, um, this is the well. Last time we were there, the borehole had been dug, but they didn't have a pump on it, so it wasn't functioning. Um, now it's got a pump on it. That You probably can't read that, but it says, uh, True Vine Ministries supported by Pastor Ken Jensen. So I got credit for all of you, you know. It's, and it's in concrete, so I couldn't even change it. Um, and then this is the, the well in use. And there are people, probably thousands of people, um, from, from miles around who come because it's, it's one of the, the good... In fact, it's a really good well, they said. It provides water year-round, even in the dry season. It, it's, it never runs dry, and it's a good flow. Um, so they're really, really excited about that. So, um, yeah, so that's very cool, and you guys did that. And uh, I'm just really excited to be able to 
bring that report back. Um, and then to find out while I was gone that we had just such an outpouring for, with the fill, the fill the bins last week, um, that they were actually overflowing. We need more bins, we told them. And, uh, and even just during the week, people were still bringing stuff. And, and that is just, just really, really cool. And there's a saying, that, that the way that they say it in Uganda is, um, let me see if I can get this right. <clears throat> we want to appreciate God so very, very much for you. So instead of saying thank you for what you did, they say, we appreciate God for you and what you did. And uh, that sounds a little strange at first, and I think, you know, that's actually probably a little bit better way to put it. Um, the series that we're in is Unselfish, and we're wrapping it up this morning. I'm looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and it kind of carries this whole idea of, of the difference that we can make um, in our giving. Uh, Paul is writing, it's the second letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church has been involved, it's one of among other churches, that were involved in taking up a collection to be able to provide for the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul is saying, okay, I'm on my way, I'm going to be picking up your gift, and this is what he says to them. Verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves People will praise God for the obedience that accompanies the confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This series that we've been talking about being unselfish, living unselfish lives, um, and, and I really want to say, uh, we said it earlier, and this, this series is not about what we want from you. Really, it isn't. It's what we want for you. Because there is something that happens when God transforms your heart and you start living a little less selfishly and a little more generously. And I really do believe, I believe most of us, most of us would like to be more generous. I think most of us would. Most of us would like to live a little less selfishly. Um, but we just can't see how. We just don't know, how do you do that? Uh, especially in this economy. In this economy, because you know, things are so tight, financial pressures and strained budgets. But I want to tell you this morning, you can do it. You can do it. It's going to take a shift in our thinking. And Paul writes about it here. He talks about your motivation for giving. And, and, and it really, he, does, he puts something on there that I, I'd never seen before. It's just kind of a new revelation for me this week. Um, but it's really, it changes our whole thinking about how and why we as Christians ought to be giving, why we ought to be generous, why we ought to serve. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, what you need to know, what you need to know when it comes around to your generosity and for your giving. And he starts out talking about particularly our motivations. And one of the things he says is, don't give 
just on an impulse. Don't give just because you're moved by it. Now, that may be, I think, the most common motivation for give. That's really, I think most people, that's how they, that's how they give. Uh, we see a particular need in the world. There's a, a disaster, a disaster relief. So maybe there's a tsunami or a hurricane or, or an earthquake somewhere. And, and we're moved by the crisis. And so we give to the crisis. And that's a good thing. And, and sometimes maybe um, it's a certain cause or a need that just kind of grips our heart. It moves us in our responses to want to give to that. And again, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's the occasion of this, this giving here. The church in Jerusalem um, between about 52 and 57 AD went through a very, very difficult time. And generally, the Christians were poor because they didn't give themselves to the kinds of well-paying jobs because the well-paying jobs um, involved doing things that they didn't feel morally that they could do. And so generally, the church has never been all that, all that uh, rich. They were actually very, very needy. And particularly so during this time. And, and so what Paul was doing was saying to the other churches uh, surrounding the, the Mediterranean is to take up this collection so we can help our brothers in need. So they were moved by a particular uh, event, a particular thing. Um, and that's good. That's not bad. In fact, sometimes it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit that urges you on an impulse to give. But becoming unselfish takes more than impulse giving. Because that's just kind of a one, one-time deal. And what we're talking about is a change of heart. So Paul says, each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give. Now, that's a big thing. Like I said, these people were not rich. In fact, particularly, he writes earlier in the letter about the Macedonian church who gave from their extreme poverty. They gave out of their extreme poverty. Do you know that there is no correlation between wealth and giving? You would think there would be. You would think that the more somebody makes, the more that they would give. In fact, you've probably thought to yourself, if I just made more, then I would give more. If I won the lottery, I've heard people say, if I won the lottery, I would give half, a quarter, some of it to the church. <laughs> you know, we think if I just had more, then I would give more. But statistically, that's, that just doesn't bear out. Statistically, you know who gives the most? The poorest. Statistically, those who have more, percentage-wise, give less. Because it's not about your wealth. It's not about how much you have. It's about your heart. And so he says, decide in your heart. Make a decision about this. Now, some of you are probably going to say, okay, well then, if it's about deciding in the heart, then this must be optional. Because what if I decide in my heart not to give anything? That's what I decided. That's what you asked me to do, okay? That's not what he's saying here. The context of it is everybody is giving. Decide in your heart what you are going to give. He's not okaying selfishness. What he's saying is be prepared, be deliberate, be intentional in your giving. Don't just give on a whim or when you're moved. Make it a part of your discipleship. Make it a part of your life. Think about it. Pray about it. Make a decision about it. Not just moved by impulse. Impulse giving, there's nothing wrong with giving. Anytime you give, it's good. But he says, do it with purpose. And then he also reminds them, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's encouraging them. Make a decision about this. And when you do, be generous about it. 
Don't just give. Because impulse giving won't change your heart. It just won't. And then he also goes on. He says, now also, don't give out of guilt. Do not give out of guilt. I don't know about you, but um, growing up in our family, one of the things that would happen like at the dinner table, um, and if the vegetable was peas or Brussels sprouts or something like that, which I absolutely hate to this day, um, you know, I, I, my parents would say something like this. Um, Eat your peas because there are people, there are children starving in Africa. Anybody else hear that? Was that? Yeah, okay, everybody heard that one. There's always some children starving somewhere. And of course, I would say something really smart like, okay, well then box it up and send it to them because I don't want it. And then I got sent to my room and I had to eat my peas anyway. Because guilt is a really good motivator. In fact, a lot of us are often motivated to give by guilt. We feel guilty. We feel guilty because we have so much. I mean, face it. We live in probably one of the richest parts of the richest nation in this world. You may not feel rich, but you are. You may not feel rich, especially in this economy when things are so tight and budgets are so strained and all that. You might not feel rich. So I'm going to help you a little bit this morning. Understand how rich you truly are. If you, and I think I've said these before, but this is statistics. If you have an annual household income of $40,000, do you know that you are in the top 5% of wage earners in this world? The top 5%. And if your annual household income is $50,000, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in this world. I think you would ought to be applauding that because that, yeah, that's, that's big money, you know. You should be excited about that. You're richer than you thought you were. If you own a car, you would be considered rich by most people in this world. If your car has a little house of its own, we call it a garage, you'd be considered rich. If you have had to go to your car and say, car, I love you, but I've got so much of my own stuff, I've had to put all my stuff into your house, so now you've got to stay out in the driveway, (laughs) you would be considered rich in most of this world. If you have any savings at all, even if your 401k is now a 201k, you are rich. If in the last year, you have traded in something that was perfectly good and was operational and functional and working and you traded it in for another thing just like it, only newer, just because it was newer, that's what rich people do. Poor people don't have that problem. Those are rich people problems. You feeling guilty yet? Okay, that wasn't my intent. I just wanted to... I just wanted to... Because we need to understand we are truly rich. And I'm not trying to motivate you out of guilt. That's really not what I was trying to do. Although, if it works, I, you know, no. <laughs> it's, it's understanding. We have so much more. There is nothing like a trip to a third world country to help you distinguish between wants and needs. <laughs> it just changes your whole perspective. And sometimes we feel guilty about that. Sometimes we feel guilty uh, at a sense of ought to-ness or um, that it's fair. It's it's not fair that I have more than other people, so I ought to give to make it fair. But that's not the New Testament motivation for giving either. In fact, he goes on and he says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives 
cheerfully. Now, again, if you're looking for an out, this is not one. You know, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I can't do it cheerfully, so I better not do it at all. Uh Uh-uh. He's talking about a change of heart. In fact, you know the word cheerfully in Greek is hilaron, which is where we get our English word hilarious. He said, you ought to be hilarious in your giving. Just outright over the top, busting your gut, hilarious. And I got to tell you, in, in Tororo, the main church that we went to, they take an offering like you have never seen an offering taken before. Just big wicker baskets put up at the front. And they sing and they dance and everybody picks their way up and they put their little thing right in, whatever. And I saw, I saw one woman come up with two eggs, put it in the basket. That was all she had. And there's something about it that says, well, if it, it, it's not fair, it's not right. I feel guilty about all this. He says, no, don't do it that way. Don't do it because of guilt. He says, what you really need to do is retrain and redirect your heart. Because that's really what this issue is all about. Hilarious giving doesn't come from guilt. It takes the transforming power and work of Jesus Christ in our lives. That we see a need. And we have the resources to be able to meet the need. And you see lives touched and lives changed. Even sometimes for eternity. Because of your little gift. There is something incredibly fulfilling and greatly joyful about that. He says to them, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. That's all part of the same package. Just like you're growing in your faith and your earnestness and your desire for the Lord and, and, and how you're supporting us and your knowledge and all that. He says, make sure you don't forget your giving. Because that too is an act of grace. And that's the change of heart that he wants to bring in us. And impulse giving won't do that. And guilt-motivated giving can't possibly do that. The New Testament motivation is completely different. And you find it in the words of Jesus. You find it in the writings of Paul. You find it all the way through the New Testament. What we are instructed as Christians is when you give, not if you give, when you give, give out of gratitude. Give out of gratitude. Don't give on an impulse. Don't just give on an impulse. Don't give just because you're feeling guilty. It says give out of a sense of gratitude. And I want to clarify that. Not gratitude for the stuff that you have. It's something much deeper than that. He writes it this way. People will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Did you catch it? You see what the motivation was for them? The obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. The CEV puts it this way. You believed the message about Christ and you obeyed it by sharing generously with God's people. He says the basis, the the truest and the best motivation for our giving is grace. That we have freely been given something by God. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is about a God who loved us, who gave everything for us and generously turned around and offered it to us freely as a gift. That he sent his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Nothing that we did to earn it. He gave it. And that's the gratitude that we give 
out of that God gave for us when we were still sinners, when we were doing our own thing, when we had our own agendas completely and just were living our own life and doing what we wanted, when we wanted, and how happy it made us. He still loved us. And when we mess up, and when we go through that little sin game, you know, where you sin, you say, oh, Jesus, please forgive my sin, and go back out and do it again. And I come back and, oh, Jesus, please forgive my sin, and then go out and do it again. When does he stop forgiving? He doesn't. He keeps forgiving. He keeps loving. He keeps giving. His mercy never runs out. His grace, there is no bottom to his grace bucket. He just keeps giving it up, even if we don't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it. And he says, that's how you're supposed to give. Give like me. Give out of the outflow of your understanding of my grace for you, out of the outflow of the gospel in your life. And that's why so often through the New Testament, you hear words like, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Serve one another as I have served you, Jesus said. Love one another as Christ has loved you. He who has received much, loves much, gives much. See, this is the motivation. It's what Christ has freely given and continues to freely give to us. It's not just gratitude because I got a bunch of stuff. It's gratitude because of the life that he's given me. He says, in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Gratitude for God's grace changes everything. Changes everything. It changes your whole motivation, the whole outlook on life. It changes the way that you give and why you give. Because I don't know about you, but the way that I tend to give, I see somebody in need and I start sizing them up. Somebody's there on the corner with, you know, we'll work for food. And in my mind, he's not going to work for food. He doesn't even want food. He just wants my money. I make a judgment about that. I don't know him. Never met him. Never talked with him. I made my own decision. Not going to give. I see a cause that helps the need. But I bet most of the money goes to administration, so I'm not going to give there either. Jesus said, that's not how I gave. He says, your generosity is motivated by my grace because I want you to become like me. Now, let me just give you one story. Um, cause, and I don't say this with any pride at all, in fact, with a great deal of shame. When we arrived in Tororo, which was kind of the base that we, uh, we operate out of when we're in Uganda, um, we got there on the Saturday night. Um, we enjoyed uh, morning Sunday worship with the, the church and all that. And then Monday and Tuesday, um, because we had sponsored this village of Bukaya, um, I was invited to go and speak at the village of Bukaya. Now, what we did was three messages during the day and then one in the evening an outreach crusade for two days. So already I wasn't real happy about this whole thing because all the other groups are going off doing really cool things, delivering goats, you know, bringing shoes to kids, doing all kinds of cool things. And I'm kind of getting stuck in Bukaya. And, and particularly because, you see, there are some villages that are beautiful. One of them is Bupoto. Bupoto is a beautiful village. It is way, way up in the mountains. Still mud huts, 
But, but the view from there and just the setting of it, and they look out and see waterfalls and, and you know, deep, lush green valleys and everything, and, and it's just a beautiful village. Bukaya is not beautiful. Bukaya is kind of ugly. Bukaya is the kind of village you wonder, why did they put a village here? <laughs> not particularly pleasing surroundings. And that's where I was stuck for two days. And, 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 and by the way, the village of Bupoto has been adopted by Seaside Church down in Huntington Beach, another church that was kind of our inspiration. And, and so I'm on my way. To, actually, I get to Bukaya, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm you know, making my way through, and I'm just, God is just like hitting me over the head with a sledgehammer. Because I'm saying things to God like, God, how come I'm stuck here? When all the other groups are going out doing fun things and, and, and helping needing, how come I'm stuck here? And how come it has to be the village of Bukaya? This is an ugly village. God, why couldn't we have Bupoto? Why couldn't Bupoto? Bupoto's a pretty place. I want to, I want to sponsor Bupoto. How come we don't get Bupoto? And it's just like he slapped me upside the head and he said, Oh, so you want to give to the pretty things to the attractive things, to the good-looking kids. And I began to realize how absolutely conditional my compassion is. I am not a very compassionate person. Because I give after I've sized somebody up. I give based on my desire and my sense of their worth. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went specifically to the needy, to the weak, to the unattractive, to the outcast, to the hurting. And it was just like, boom, my eyes opened. I don't get it. All these years, I haven't gotten it. And it just, it just hit me. When you start to give, when you start to live unselfishly, out of the grace of God, and your giving becomes not based on your decisions, but on God's decisions, and you start giving, not out of the much that you have, but giving out of the, the incredible grace that God has given you in your life, then you begin to get it. I went home that night back to the hotel and I just cried tears of repentance God forgive me forgive me my attitude stinks I'm not nearly as compassionate as I know I ought to be I'm not nearly as compassionate as you are God change my heart because here's the thing I know I don't only do that in Uganda I do that here in the United States too And I know, God, this isn't going to change unless I decide to change. But I want to be more like you. I want to be changed and compassionate and generous and unselfish because you have been so kind and merciful and compassionate and generous to me. He says, that's that's the motivation. That's the motivation for your giving. And as we learn that, and grow in that, and boy, it's going to take some time. Let me tell you, it's not a one night, you know, now I got it, okay? But as we do, 
as we learn, as we grow, as we begin to act in that way, you know what happens? Just little ripples, like a stone thrown on a pond. The ripples start going out, and it starts touching all over the world. Because you do one little thing. I brought some pictures back from our trip, and it's really, really tough to, uh, to squeeze uh, two weeks' worth into a three-minute video. Um, but I just want you to see. You're going to see some of the typical um, stuff that we experience there. Um, the typical living conditions, you'll get a picture of that. Um, there will also be some pictures of a pygmy tribe from the Congo that are being displaced now. And uh, they're working with that uh, organization to help them. Uh, You're going to see the dedication of a medical clinic at Smile Africa, which is another organization that Hope for Kids interacts with. Um, And they feed 420 kids from the Karamajong tribe. I didn't say that right, but anyway. They are a tribe that are kind of the outcasts of everyone because they're nomadic. They don't have a place where they, they settled. They're nomadic, and they're, and they're, they're, they're cattle, cattlemen, and, and they particularly have a reputation of being cattle stealers. So just about everybody looks down on the Karamajong. And, and now there's like 420 orphans at this place that they're Karamajong. So nobody's really interested in taking them in or helping them out. And Smile Africa started, and they feed, and you'll see uh, the chance we got to help feed there. Um, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the making of an indoor stove so they don't have to do that cooking outside stuff. We'll see that. Um, a fish farm that they have started to help become um, independent and self-sustaining. Um, the boarding school. Uh, you'll see pictures of the uh, well drilling and how that goes and all of that. And uh, you know, lots of pictures of kids. So this is two weeks worth in three and a half minutes. There's a story behind every one of those pictures, and I don't have time to tell them all. Um, the, the pictures that I'm in, um, those are the kids that, that my wife and I sponsor. And we got to see them and spend some time with them, each one of them, which was very, very cool. And, and I know a lot of you sponsor kids. Um, and actually, uh, John and Cheryl, who were on the trip, um, they were there, and they got to see their kids. But it was my video, so we got my kids in it. Um, Paul says... Your generosity, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.